Welcome to Family Life Today, presented in cooperation with this station by Power to Change. We hope today's program will give you something to reflect on and to encourage you in your relationships. Our hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. What are the statements you hear most in your head? The thoughts that come through my head now are different than what used to come into my head because I feel like my thoughts in the past have been super toxic. Um, I'm ugly. I'm fat. I need to lose weight. I need to be better. I'm failing. I'm not smart enough. I'm not doing enough. It was just a constant barrage of that negative self-talk. And nobody would have known that. Do you think? I mean, you've, we've been married 41 years. Would you have thought those were my thoughts in my head? Not initially, but it didn't take long after we were married to realize you hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't um, anymore. Yeah, I think a lot of people hear a lot of negative self-talk. You know, working with pro athletes for 33 years, of course, people are thinking, well, you work with the Detroit Lions. Of course, there was a lot of negative self-talk. But there was a lot of <laughs> negative thoughts of guys super successful that, that are at the highest level. And you think, wow, when they line up for a play, they are hearing, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to make this play. You're like, what in the world? How can that be true? And that's a real thing. And, and, and I worked with their wives. And, I mean, these women, some of these women were supermodels. Or they had three degrees, and they were so talented, and yet the self-talk that they would share was so surprising because it was, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, and their lives showed everything but that. And the truth is, and we know this, how we think is how we live. Hmm. Belief, you know me as a preacher, belief dictates behavior. So whatever I'm believing about myself is going to dictate the way I live. And the reason we're bringing this up, we've got Jamie Grace back in the studio with us. Uh, Jamie, first of all, welcome back. Hello. It's good to be back. I I mean, you're sitting over there (laughs) smiling, looking at us. What what are you thinking as we're talking about this? Oh, this is so great. At the very, very beginning, I was like, guys, I'm right here. You can stop flirting. (laughs) This is really weird. (laughs) Super cute, but I shouldn't be here. Um, But, but, yeah, all of that resonates with me. You know, even Mm. when you were asking that initial question. Ironically, I do oftentimes like uh, like like pre-flirt with my husband in my head because <laughs> well, when I try to flirt out loud, it doesn't it it's not I'm not always very successful. Um, so I, I'll like practice my flirts Ooh. in my head. Um, Ooh, maybe I should try that. It still doesn't work. Practice not, your flirts. But you're good I'm, in your head, aren't you? To me, I'm like, oh, that's going to do it. (laughs) And then I'll say it out loud, and he's like, babe. (laughs) I think he's used to it at this point, but I'm so awkward. Like, there's, like, families listening, so I won't give any examples, but I'm just awkward. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'd love to know what goes on in in your head because you're very successful. In terms of, like, being a pro athlete, you've reached that in the singer-song world. Yeah, Jamie's a two-time Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter. And a Dove Award winner for New Artist in 2012, am I right? Yeah, that was spot on. And I went on and learned all your songs. I'm going to sing them. You have a podcast called the Jamie Grace Podcast. I do, I do. You really are successful. I mean, as the world looks at you, they would think, oh, she's made it. 
And you've written a book called Finding Quiet. Yeah. My journey to peace in an anxious world. But in the book, you start talking about this Those this daily self-talk. thoughts, and I still have them. Really? I still have, What's yeah, it sound like? I still, very similar to yours. I mm. mean, I'm a first-time mom with a two-year-old, and especially that postpartum season, that six to 12 months. But I like to tell people I'm still postpartum because it's a pandemic, so it didn't count. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, it's still that, like, like oh, like, you need to lose weight, like, you're not successful, like you're not doing a good job, like it's constant and it, it's frustrating. I've I've done a lot of work, uh, just like personally in therapy, church, small groups, pastor, like me and my pastor and stuff like that. And so a lot of times what now will start to happen is like a lot of pep talk, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm proud of that. So, you know, a lot of times I'll have this kind of like in my head, like you're so dumb, like that song is terrible that you wrote, mm. but... I'll catch myself and kind of like immediately start to be like, but this song you wrote last week wasn't that bad. And you did a good job. And you know what else you did? You swept. Maybe it was two weeks ago, but guess what? You did it. And you cooked dinner. And it was awesome. And your husband liked it. You guys probably going to kiss later. So it's, I've definitely like done a lot of like conscious work to like try to override um, a lot of those negative of thoughts. And a lot of times I'll, do it out loud as well uh like even like from like a spiritual standpoint and stuff like that with Mm. scriptures and things like that it's a journey and it takes a lot of work yes when i catch myself doing that like mentally like oh like you're this you're that i'll start walking through the house like you are a child of god like you're a daughter of the most high king like some people might think this is cheesy but like i mean this genuinely sometimes i'll quote like my lyrics out loud Mm. and not in a way of like like i wrote it not like that but because everything i've written is genuinely something that the Lord gave to me in a moment of desperation. Give us some lyrics, like, that you would say. Yeah, so I have a song called Daughter of the King, and it says, The maker of sky. The first time I ever said something like that, it was during a show, and there was a girl in the middle of the crowd that was later I processed but was kind of the outsider in like the young adult group that she was in and I just like stopped in the middle of my set and the Lord just told me to tell her like the maker of skies and the maker of seas like he made your face Mm. so my lyrics aren't necessarily something where it's like oh I gotta write something catchy you know they really do come from moments of like the Lord really speaking to me scripture is obviously way more powerful than anything i could come up with so i'll try i'll just start reading proverbs out loud Mm. right now i have a a proverb up on my bathroom mirror and i'll if something else uh, uh, something from psalms or galatians or habakkuk or whatever it is speaks to me in a couple weeks i'll put that up there too and just try to speak out loud like the words of truth speak out loud the words of wisdom Mm. because it can be so much more powerful than whatever is happening in my head and can kind of just help get me into a habit of hearing those things and saying those things instead so Mm. yeah and i think even the song a very poppy song and i'm guessing this one was one of your grammy nominations i love the way you hold me yeah Mm -hmm. as poppy as that is that lyric is in some ways very profound Mm -hmm. i mean it's said over and over in the song and toby mack the whole thing but then when you think through what you're singing and you know that kids are singing this he thought a lot of times I don't believe he's holding me right now. Mm, yeah. I'm saying it in a song, but I don't believe the thing I'm going through. Yeah. He's you're saying got God me. is 
God. God is holding me. I love Mm -hmm. the way you hold me. And so often we're like, I don't know if you are right now. Mm, Because the self-talk is, I'm alone. Right. I'm struggling on my own. And that lyric, simple lyric is like, no, you're not. Anybody that knows me knows that like... I have, it's not an obsession because that's not a very healthy word, but my big sister is my literal hero. I love mm. her so much. Hmm. And we got for her senior year in college, I was at the same college, and we got an off-campus apartment, so I know we're really cool. It was a Bible college, so that kind of stuff. And was you just were like, young. What? How old were you? Uh, we were 16 when we started college. So she was 20 in her senior year, and I was like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And we wait, got wait, wait, wait. Why are you starting college at 16? She's smarter than I am. I don't like to take too much credit for my intelligence, even though I do think maybe I'm smart sometimes. But the thing is, when you're the oldest one, I think you're the smartest. She started reading at three. My mom is just an amazing educator. And so she had Morgan reading at three. And I just, I was younger, so I was just like doing whatever she was doing. Hmm. So yes, okay, I think I'm a little bit smart. But I I credit a lot to my mom and my sister because I just showed up and they were already doing the work. (laughs) I was like, I might as well help them read stuff. My sister actually graduated high school at 14 or 13, but my mom wasn't ready for her to go to college, so she just made up a bunch of extra work for her to do for a couple years until she was ready to go to college. But um, we were like living in this off-campus apartment, and we were supposed to do that until I was done with college. Like, that was going to be our thing. So I was going to live in this cool apartment for three years. And let me add, let's go back a little bit for the people, for our listeners that maybe missed our first episode, which... Go back and listen. You were given a diagnosis at age 11. And share a little bit just as a reminder. Yeah, yeah. So I had already been, you know, given this diagnosis of Tourette syndrome, which is a a movement disorder, a tick disorder, um, as well as anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder, which is just a quick synopsis. Imagine everyday worry times 20, but basically because of neurological stuff. And then obsessive compulsive disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is OCD and ADHD. And so um, I had all of that that I was dealing with on a daily basis. And so that's why I wanted our listeners to know, like, so now you're in college. Yeah. The main stipulation for college was that I went where my sister went. I wasn't as far along mental health-wise as I maybe thought I was going to be to go out of state, which was what I wanted to do. But it's okay because I... We both graduated from a school called Point University in the Southeast, um, and we really loved it, and I loved getting to be near her, so that was a huge blessing. But then my sister went off and did the very stereotypical pastor's daughter Bible college thing and got herself a suitor. (laughs) Um, She gets so mad when I say that word. Uh, But she started dating someone who's now her husband of, like, 12 years. Super cute, whatever. How could she do that to you? I know. So here I am in this apartment that I'm supposed to be watching Cheetah Girls with my sister every night eating pizza <laughs> and they're sitting on the couch like she started watching like superhero movies all of a sudden and she's like you know I guess they're like Christian dating so like I'm still in the house I'm like this is just dumb be your own <laughs> accountability I need to go I was miserable anyway that's how I wrote hold me because I was just like this is stupid like <laughs> that's when you wrote hold me all of my songs that sound like I'm in a good mood I was crying all of them. Really? I was crying my eyes out when I wrote Hold Me. I was sitting in my room all by myself, just like, I'm going to be single forever. Like, no one's holding me. I didn't know that about that song, because it's so filled with joy, and yet you were saying no. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing that I find interesting, what you just said. Yeah. Is you do a, I think it's your second chapter, is you call it the noise of feelings. Mm, yeah. And it's almost how you stifle and hold feelings in. And when I read that, I'm like, oh boy, I do the same thing. Yeah. 
I don't like them, and I sort of I cry at movies. I don't cry in life. Yeah. So, but you just shared how you express your feelings. Talk yeah. about that. Well, I really do. Uh, have a love-hate relationship with feelings. I do love to feel feels. You know, I love, especially when it comes to music, it's such a safe space for me to feel, whether I'm listening to a heavily emotive song or I'm playing a very emotional song, writing something, you know, very personal. I really do enjoy that. Hmm. But it can oftentimes be difficult around other humans for me to go there emotionally uh, with my family. Sometimes my mom is so sweet and she'll, she's like, oh, you know, when I'm with your daughter, it reminds me of when you, and I'm like, <laughs> no, mom, nachos, you know, like, I just can't do it. Did uh, you say nachos? Uh, yeah, I just talk about food, just change subject. <laughs> uh, our wedding, I laughed through the entire ceremony. I mean, and not like dissing our wedding, it was just, I just thought it was funny that I was like, this is hilarious that I tricked this really hot guy into marrying <laughs> me, so I was just laughing the whole time, but then I cried later, I just, I was like, I don't want all these people to see me cry, like... It's just, it's so weird. I've always had a really just challenging back and forth relationship with feelings. Mm. But as I get older, I've just tried to become more and more intentional with choosing to feel and choosing to be okay with feeling. The Lord is not mad at me because of my feelings. The Lord is not upset with me for having feelings, you know. And I think for so long, I just wanted, well, I still feel this way sometimes, but I just want everybody to be happy. I just want everybody to be okay. And so... I never wanted my feelings to interrupt that. Mm. I just, I'm always just trying to be conscious of just like, okay, like I'm dealing with this medical diagnosis. Like it's, again, it's a journey. Like I still deal with really bad days of like Tourette stuff or anxiety stuff. And so I'm just, even when I'm having those days, I'm constantly thinking like, is my husband okay? Like is, if I feel too much, then I can't be conscious if he's okay. Mm. And if I feel too much, then I'm not looking out for my daughter. When reality is that the Lord has given me a spouse for, like, that's a part of marriage is me being able to be open about how I'm feeling and the challenges that I'm facing and vice versa. Um, and the reality of parenthood and motherhood is that she needs to see me cry. Like, she needs to know that mommy gets sad sometimes and, like, mommy's working through it and it's going to get better, you know. But just the my own relationship with feelings kind of gets in the way of that sometimes and kind of just causes me to shut down a little bit and just only practice feelings when songs are on. I think that that's pretty big. And Dave, I'm looking at you like you can relate to that because you have run from your feelings in the past a lot. Yeah, I think uh, I didn't know it for decades, but it was a defense mechanism to protect myself. Mm. And I, I can remember, you know, being the father and the pastor doing my son's weddings. Mm-hmm. And I can remember standing in the chapel looking at my son and his, you know, new bride and feeling like I can't feel. Mm-hmm. I should feel this moment. And part of me is like, well, I have a job to do. I have to officiate the wedding. But I think I was afraid. And I know this in from Anne in our marriage. She wants. Oh, yeah. I want you to feel. Because I think in that. some ways you're not fully present when we guard our feelings. And so when I was reading your, your book, even about finding quiet and finding peace, sometimes we're afraid to stay into those feelings and we never get to the other side which is peace yeah if we're willing to go there it may be scary maybe uncomfortable it's like anyway for me i feel i feel like man i want to make the last 30 years of my life feeling years (laughs) you know in a sense where i want to cry in life not just in a movie theater and part of that's like i got to be willing to go go into it one of the things you say in your book is i started to realize that it wasn't my purpose to bring people joy 
a lot of us, I think, especially as a mom, I could feel that. I yeah. do feel that. Yeah. For my kids, for my friends, like, oh, I want to bring them joy. And you say, instead, it was my purpose to live a life full of joy mm-hmm. in hopes of directing people to see the source. Yeah. Every few months I go through this. I mean, this is a little bit of my personality. This is a little bit of my, you know, anxiety as a human. This is a little bit of my anxiety disorder. But every few months I go through, <laughs> like, a, I need to fix the world phase. <laughs> I've gotten to the point now I can talk myself out of it within a day now. So that's that's a huge step because the first time I tried to fix the world, I was about seven. And it took me months to realize I'm doing too much. I have to remind myself that, like, I'm not called to be all things to all people. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times, and this is not to be received as like a, a, a big theological unraveling or anything, but I think a lot of times as believers, we get caught up in words like purpose and calling, especially young adults that listen to my podcast. <laughs> they, they ask like, what am I supposed to do? Like what college am I supposed to go to? I don't want to make the wrong choice. What career? I don't want to do the wrong job. I don't want to marry the wrong person. How do you know the one, you know, this kind of, grand scale of what is my purpose and what is my calling. And sometimes the Lord's like, I want you to wake up tomorrow and extend grace to everyone you see. Hmm. That's your purpose for today, you know, and just choosing to be more present has allowed me to do that. Even, you know, like what you were saying a minute ago about, you know, your son's wedding and like, I'm just trying to do the job and, Hmm. you know, just not feel the feels. I'm just trying to complete the task at hand. You know, I dealt with a lot of that getting famous at 17, you know, with my music. My job was to make everybody happy. If I stopped making people happy, I'm not relevant anymore. I'm not famous anymore. And then I'm seen as a failure. Hmm. If I stop playing two, 300 shows a year, well, people see you as not successful, you know? And so that was one of the the main things in my life that really took a hit at my mental health and really took a hit at my feelings. I was so much better at feelings before I was famous. Like I was I had such a healthier relationship with feelings before I realized that feelings could easily become a currency and that it was just my job to keep all the feelings as high and happy as possible at whatever expense to myself. And that's what happens whether you're a mom or an artist or a a dad at a wedding, a pastor at a wedding, when you're so caught up with like, let me just monitor everybody else's feelings and create and serve joy on a platter as though it's mine to give, you know, when we're constantly doing that, then we're completely neglecting ourselves. Mm. We've completely avoided every aspect of, of like, who God calls us to be and what that purpose looks like. Hmm. I mean, that's really where the book started for me was realizing that by trying to make everybody so happy by literally being one of two of the main musical resources for most Christian families in America for like four years that had, you know, young girls by like kind of just stepping into that role of like being it, I was completely neglecting who God made me to be. Mm -hmm. And I was completely neglecting any kind of feeling. I was just doing the job and there was no connection to my own feelings and my own needs and Mm. finding quiet became a literal thing. I walked away from all of it and just 
sat in a quiet house and healed for mm. a long time. But I think that that's important. Like what you just said, like I just sat in the house and healed. Yeah. I think men like are like this, but women, maybe it's a different way. We're fixing, we're helping, we're taking care of so many people that a lot of times it feels selfish to focus on our own mental health. Yeah. And I talk to a lot of moms and women who are really struggling yeah. with that. And so, Jamie, I think it's really wise um, to say it's not selfish. Like, you need to plug into Jesus. Yeah. I think that you're saying that therapy has really helped, and that can be a great thing. And also to have some other people, you, your best friend's your sister. Yeah. Have your mom. So you have some other women around you speaking life and really walking you through some of those things. Yeah. Those things are good. But to go to Jesus, too, and he says... Come to me, all you who are weary. Yeah. I think that's the first place to go. Yeah. And he'll give us wisdom. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson, along with Bob Lapine and their team, for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. If you'd like to listen to today's program again, visit our website families.powertochange.org.au and select the podcast tab where you will find the previous fortnight's programs available. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family.